Hello, I'm Laura Furiosi, divorced mother of three, and I'm here with my mother, Lynette Galvin, with 35 years' experience in family law. You're listening to the Divorce Course Podcast. Through our candid discussions, we hope to help you through your divorce or de facto separation. We will be answering the most commonly asked questions and covering the stages and steps that you will face on your way to freedom. Are you about to go to mediation or have you just completed a mediation and are wondering what happens after? If you agree, this question gets asked a lot. And today we are going to give you the 10 things that happen emotionally and legally after you settle at mediation. Welcome, Mum. Hello, Laura. Hi, everyone. Now, when we were nutting out these 10 things, we were just going to talk about the legal things that happen, but then you explain these two fascinating emotional things that you see happen to your clients. So we've added them in in case anybody's listening and they they know what they're in for. So. First of all, the first thing that happens with your clients or anybody after a mediation that has settled. That has settled is relief. Relief. And that's not just the lawyers. No. That's, thank goodness, it's done. It's done. We've we've got it. I can't believe it. Yes. Mostly like, I can't believe that's settled. We've sorted out our property or we've sorted out children and and we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Get on with our lives. And I can move on with my life. Okay. The second thing that happens is, is the next The next day. morning. Yes. <laughs> I used to dread going into my office and opening my emails and, and there would be, oh, I've been thinking about that. And I call it settler's remorse. Okay. I tell my clients, uh, you will feel tomorrow that maybe you should have mentioned something else or, or oh, you forgot to talk about this or maybe you could have got more if you went to court and all mm. of those things. Mm. So. It, that's normal. Okay. And reality check yourself. Okay. Have a little look at see what your lawyer's fees would have been to go to court and think about the uncertainty, the delays, mm. um, and the expense of going to court and the emotional toll on you and your children. If you've settled, you will have settled on something you can live with. Yeah. It's not your optimum case. But do you know what? If you went to court and had a hearing, you might not get your very best, bright, shiny mm. outcome. You might be more like more towards your exes or, you know, somewhere in the middle of your exes and your things. So this way you've not got someone you don't know telling you. So So settler's remorse is real and it's not just you. Yes. They might get settler's remorse and they might say, our client's been thinking or um, he wants to change this or, you know, your heart will go down to your boots and you'll think, oh, I wish I had stayed in that relief phase. Mm. Yes. So can you change do people change their mm, minds if regularly. they do get settlers remorse? Do, yep. Can they just go, I know I agreed to all of that yesterday, but I changed my mind. Yep. Can you do that if you've signed something? Uh, if you've signed a heads of agreement, they can show it to the judge. Right. Um, and that, and then you will have to explain yourself. Right. If you've signed full consent orders, you mm. can withdraw your consent to the orders as long as they haven't been made by the court. Right. If they've been made by the court, and you get settler's remorse a week later, you're going to have to go through an appeal process. Right. As if it had been a trial with And an this appeal. is general advice only general because we advice. don't know you. Mum doesn't no. know your situation. No, I don't know. Yes. And you might have been pushed into it. You might feel you were bullied into a settlement. Okay. And uh, you need to, you know, that fierce friend we always talk about, go and talk about it with them, ask your lawyer for clarification, go back through your thought processes that led to you agreeing. Okay. And, and, just remember how bad it felt not being settled. Okay. Yeah. 
But All you right. might have genuine grounds to think, oh, I was bullied into that, I'm going to stop that. So, and you can, you can just say no. So number two is you get settlers generally, remorse. Yep. Generally, you, either your ex or you. Yep. You can do something about it, but mm-hmm. you... Think long and think hard about it. Okay. And move quickly. Yeah. Um, in case they haven't filed the documents. Okay. Yeah. And, and there's, All right. So yeah. then the next one, the step three that can potentially happen, yeah. and then the rest are all legal. Yes. But let's do the, the, the third yes. the third one that I thought was fascinating, and that is litigation neurosis. Yes. I don't I haven't heard the term for a few years, but it was recognised that some people were so engrossed in their case. Like you said, it was their hobby mm. almost. Uh, first thing they thought about every morning, last thing at night. Um, it becomes such a big part of their lives that when someone suddenly takes it away, uh, they didn't know what to do with themselves, mm. and and they they literally sort of came out blinking into the daylight and had given up so much mm. because of the court case. And you'll always hear people say, "Oh, you know, I've had to give up choir because of this court case," or mm. I, I, you know, so um, it's just a new way of living, mm. and you need to get some help for that, or just work through the issues and say, okay, well, that was like a terrifying trauma I was worried about. I, I couldn't stop worrying about the trauma's past now. Yeah, um, go and get some counselling. Go and get some counselling. And help and move on. Move on, yeah. Okay. All right, so we've got step one, after mediation settles, you're relieved. Yep. Step two, you get settler's remorse. Definitely go check out mm. how much it would have cost to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, step three, you might get litigation neurosis, yep. which is fascinating. And and we have had a member write in and go, you guys need to do an episode on what happens after it's finally all over. Uh, how do you closure. move on? How do yes. you close? And, you know, you're not going to be listening to our podcasts anymore. No, we, we'll say a fond farewell to I, you. Because I feel like anybody who's going through this <sighs> hell, the last thing they're ever going to want to do is ever listen to us ever again. <laughs> and we don't blame you. No. Um, so it is something that, you know, maybe you need to change your podcast to, even though we'll miss you, to something that's uh, personal development or or oh. uh, in, in, you know, helping you get through trauma. Like there's lots yes. of podcasts out there. Um, so there's yeah. all sorts of things you could be listening to instead of us while you clean yes. or do whatever it and, is that you and do. And maybe not anything specific to break up yes. either. I think that there are people who get a kind of post-traumatic, mm. so I'm not a, um, a psychologist at all, but no. I think if you were going to get post-traumatic stress from anything short of war, it would be the court process because mm. it can be cruel. It kind of seems like it's sometimes yes. a war to some people. So we, maybe we'll... Um, We'll open to suggestions. We're open to suggestions of something uplifting to listen to instead of us. Okay, so then the next one is, okay, so after mediation settled, there's three endings that you can have that's settled. The first one you can get is verbal. Yep. The next one is written and then full consent. So we're imagining that this one, people are walking away with a verbal agreement from mediation. What do they do next? Okay, so if you've... Gone with the lawyer, um, a lawyer will have got something written up for sure or at least notes of it. Um, if you've gone by yourself um, and to a social worker mediator time, um, it might not be that you've written anything down, but you you each know where you stand. Mm. Um, you think you walk out and you both know, okay, I'm getting this, this, he's having the kids these nights, she's going to um, do this, this, and and everything's sweet. Mm. Okay. Um, the written down is mainly a heads of agreement uh, where it's just dot points of what you're going to do, but they're not in proper order form. So it might be something like 50 dot point, 
number one, uh, 50, heads of agreement, number one, 50% to Mary mm-hmm. of the house. Uh, dot point number two, uh, uh, Michael gets the motorbike and, you know, that are, you know, or the, dot three, the kids go and spend these nights. So it's just quick shorthand notes. Like if you were telling your mum or your some, your friend yeah, when what, they go, what happened? And what's the go, outcome? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, oh, well, I'm getting 50%. He's, the kids are going, 50, you know, 20%. The bank here. account's being divided That's right. in yeah. half. So that sort of short form thing. Yeah. And if you both sign it and if there's a clause in that that says it can be used in any subsequent court proceedings, mm. then it can be. Um, otherwise, everything that happens in mediation is confidential. Right. But, so have a look. If you're signing a heads of agreement, you'll probably put someone will put something in that says, if we end up in court, this can be used. Okay. And what that does is, is um, it allows the court to know where you were at mm. and you would have to explain yourself if you subsequently didn't Change. follow on. Yeah. yeah. So because the heads of agreement you can't file in the court and they don't end it. Verbal agreements don't end it really with the court. Um, uh, heads of agreement don't end it as far as the court's concerned. If you walk away with an agreement that you're going to divide the stuff but you don't ever file it in the court, you haven't had property settlement. So until it's a year after divorce or two years after separation, any of you, either of you could go to court and say, oh, we didn't really have property settlement because it hasn't been stamped. Yeah, I want some of their savings. Yes, yes. I see they've got a, um, you know, bought a boat. I'm going to have some of that now. Oh, they won the yeah. lotto. I want some yes, of that. Yes, that's right. Okay, so. so so you can walk away with a verbal agreement, but it's not going to help you, no. if, you need, if you if you have a trouble you later. You evidence of it. You can walk away with written heads of agreement, but... They're unless a little bit of help. Unless it's got the clause in there, you can't show it to the court. That's right. And even then, it, the court's not bound by it. Okay. So, so then the other thing the, you can walk away with in the, the mediation. Gold standard. The gold standard yeah. is a consent order signed. Yep. Yep. Signed so, consent order. So what's that look like? Well, usually a very, very, very long document. Mm-hmm. So instead of the house sold 50% each, it's probably about 15 paragraphs. Yes. Uh, it has arrangements for the superannuation, all of the things that – a judge would say to you or the orders a judge would make if you had a trial and there always has to be someone who has to do something, a time frame within which they have to do it mm-hmm. and what happens if they don't do it. So basically the consent orders that we teach people how to make in our course. That's right. Yep. That's right. So okay. the same as an order that a judge. Even then though, unless you've had a mediation with a registrar of the court who mm-hmm. has the power to make that an order of the court then and there, you need to file it in the court to get secured. So that's that next step. Mm. So if you've got the full consent orders, you've both signed them, it's still not really worth anything unless it's filed in the court. That's right. Or you've got some sort of court person that can do it then and there. General advice only, but yes. Okay. So you need to really get your agreement written down, better yet, in a consent order, better yet, filed. Yep. So then that means it's over. Yes. So then the the issue with that is, of course, that when you get settlers' remorse the next day, mm. your only option if you've signed a consent order and it's been filed and made would be an appeal. Mm. So it doesn't allow people time to get to process it. You can get caught up in the mediation process. Mm. And sometimes I think that's a good thing, mm. but it does sometimes 
make people feel they've been ripped off. Being pressured yes, into it. into it. Yeah. So you've got to be super mindful of your mindset, your attitude, who's with mm-hmm. you, who's telling you things to mm. make sure that you know you're doing what's best for you on the day. Yep. Um, and if you have walked away with, which I think people who will be listening to mm. this either have walked away with or intending to walk away with it, um, what do you use that then filed consent order for? What, okay. So they've gone through the process, they've got the documentation, yep. it's official. Mm. What do they do with it? Okay. So that is the document that you follow. It's like your roadmap out. So starting from the beginning, it'll say usually something like, um, you know, that the house gets sold mm-hmm. or that one of you buys the other person out and it'll say who's got to do it, when it has to happen and consequences if it doesn't. So mm. say, let's give an example, if someone's going to, let's say you're going to buy them out of the house mm-hmm. and you'd refinance the mortgage into your sole name, there'll usually be something like that X, um, uh, that the house, sorry, other will be transferred to X. Um, usually it'll say within seven days or within 21 days. And remember with COVID delays, I'd go longer. Um, within a certain number of days, the parties will do everything they need to do, acts and things, to transfer the property from X to Y. You mm-hmm. know, we've got it all in the proper wordings in our course. And then, um, and you need to then get cracking. You need to you get, do you need to go and get your refinancing. If it's you that's doing it, you need to get the transfer documents prepared and sent over and just follow every guideline. So basically, after you finish mediation, you're probably like, flop on the bed and be like yeah, oh it's I'm finally never going to all think over. about it again and then you, then you get the orders and it's literally yeah. telling you what you have to do and it is still probably going to keep up a large portion of your yeah. time until it's all until done until it's it ain't over till it's over so a good idea that I've heard someone recommend before perhaps it was probably you mum <laughs> is go through and highlight yes. what parts of the orders are actions you have to yes. do and then give yourself a timeline when they have to happen and have a little calendar yeah. and just keep right on top of it because it will end. Mm. Um, this is your pathway out, mm. but don't get stuck on any of the points, you know what mm. I mean? Just keep proactive. I know you're relieved, but but just keep working on it a little bit longer. Mm. And I guess you could say to a friend, hey, I've got my court orders now. Mm. I have to do I have to move everything out of the shed mm-hmm. by this date oh. or I have to get the house ready for sale by this date. Could you give me a hand? Or mm. um, set some reminders in your phone a couple of weeks before things are due. Yes. Um, and if you don't know what to do, if there's things like transferring the car over into mm. somebody's name, you know, go and ask, go to go to your transit authority and say, mm. I need to do this by this date. Tell me the process I yeah. need to take. Well, Be I proactive. Think, yeah, we've got it all in our course, all those details, or you can phone them. Um, thank God most things these days you can do online, but yes. houses and stuff you can't really. And the beauty of that court order, Mum, mm. can you explain it? Because that's one of the it's things. It's a biggie. You mm. use that quarter to avoid stamp duty yep. for cars, for yep, houses. houses. Can you explain that situation? Yep. So uh, it's... Uh, under Section 90 of the Family Law Act, nobody, no state is allowed to charge stamp duty 
if a, if a transfer of property is made, they call it pursuant to a court order. Okay. So it's very important you haven't signed the transfer documents before the order is made final. And I don't mean the day you walk out of mediation having signed them. I mean that by the date when the seal goes on from the court. And the stamp. At the stamp has a date. Yeah. Yes. And then you then you sign the documents and, then and you do avoid- the transfers. Then you avoid the stamp duty. So whilst we said, like, be proactive, get things done, don't sign the transfer stuff mm. uh, until you get that order in your hand. Can you just explain to everybody what stamp duty is if someone's not aware of it? Uh, okay. So it's a funny old thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stamp duty used to be a way for the state governments, or it is a way for the state governments to raise money. Right. And the way they did it was they would ch- charge a person a percentage of every um, every transaction or that they did, like every document, so deeds and things would have stamp duty, which were literally stamps we used to buy from the state government and stick them on a document to prove we'd paid the stamp duty. Oh. I'd like to see how many stamps you'd need to do the, like, thousands of dollars of stamp oh, like duty actual, these like, days. postage stamps. They were little postage stamps we what? would buy. Yep. Okay. And so that's why they call it stamp duty. Of course, now we don't do stick-on little stickers. No. Um, but Sounds the state fun, government gets a percentage of every transaction. So if you've ever bought a car, you'll pay stamp duty. If you've ever bought a house, there'll be a massive stamp duty Mm. in the beginning stage. Like you think you've got it all sorted and someone goes, well, hang on, what about the $15,000, $30,000 stamp duty? Mm. Ah." So, but because it's the state governments who levy that, the federal government has the power to say, ah, 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 you can't. (laughs) And so Section 90 of the Family Law Act says you can't. But You can't 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 be charged stamp duty if you're handing it over to your ex. That's right. Any documents pursuant to the Family Law Act that are, um, sorry, that are pursuant to a family court deed or a family court order mm-hmm. uh, cannot be saddled with stamp duty. Mm-hmm. So what you do is you lodge your documents in the titles office or wherever you are, whatever you need to do, and you wave your mm-hmm. court order around and say, and by the way, Section 90, I'm not paying stamp duty. Yeah, so I think the Queensland TransLink or whatever it's mm-hmm. called, um, I know when I transferred the car over, I went in myself mm-hmm. and I had the court order there. Yep. And when you have to tick the transferring of the registration or whatever mm. over of the ownership, it, I, I said, I, I don't have to pay this. When I saw how much stamp yeah. duty was wow. and I rang you and I went, oh, my gosh, I have to pay so much stamp yep. duty and I didn't include that. And you're like, no, you just show them the yep. court order. It's like a get out of jail free it is. card. It's like- and so I just went, here's my order. And I don't have to pay anything, and they just transferred. Did it they across. know? Did they realise that? They knew. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think that that's a little known fact for non-legal people. Yes. You don't know that transferring cars over to anybody's name can cost a lot of money, mm. a percentage of whatever mm. type that's of right. car it is, and same with the house. So, oh, the houseless can be massive. So I guess that's a good thing. If so, you're buying it, yep. Yes. All right. So you can use your court orders to avoid stamp mm-hmm. duty, and then you do all the steps that are necessary. Yep. To do the thing. What if your ex mm. <laughs> is a pain in the behind mm. and either is avoidant or manipulative and controlling mm-hmm. and is still pulling silly bugger games mm-hmm. and are not doing their to-do list on the orders? 
Join our free VIP podcast listener group and let us support you with checklists, cheat sheets and more in our newsletters. Our mission is to educate, equip and empower everyone so you don't have to go through your divorce journey alone. We do that through the podcast, our webinars, our newsletters and of course our amazing online course. We want to be there with you so you don't ever feel alone, scared or confused. Our aim is to bring you the confidence and the know-how to get things done. So sign up. Let's do this. Go to thedivorcecourse.com.au, scroll down to where it says join as a VIP free podcast member, enter your details and we'll be in your inbox soon. What if your ex Mm. (laughs) is a pain in the behind Mm. and there is avoidant or manipulative and controlling mm-hmm. and is still pulling silly bugger games mm-hmm. and are not doing their to-do list on the orders. Well, it's lovely when you have orders yes. because they order people to do things. Yes. And if if they don't do things, mm-hmm. often a court order you'll see at the bottom um, if there's a clause that said that if either of you didn't do any do the, one of the things you're supposed to do, then a registrar of the court can sign on your behalf. Now, general advice only, but nearly every court order we ever do mm. for property has that in it. Right. And then so you would waltz along to the court with an affidavit saying, look, these are the number of times I've asked that person to sign and they haven't, um, would you please sign on our behalf? So sign like say the transfer of transfer the house documents, or, yes, or, or, or yeah, anything. Anything mm. in this order that I already have mm-hmm. that we've already filed. Yeah. And then so a registrar who's yep. like a baby judge, that's yes, what I call he is. them. Yep. A baby judge can then sign on their behalf. Yep. As long as the property's properly described in your consent orders, and we've talked about that, they have to know the lot and up and registered plan and have to know the title reference and everything. You can't just say, oh, my house at um, 17 Wichelow Street. Yeah, you yeah. can't say that. Yeah. Um, it has to be lot such and such up here and so that they can properly identify, okay, I'm signing this transfer for that particular property Yes, and then they will sign it. Does that happen much? Um, no, not often really okay. because there's also other consequences right. um, that you can put in those orders like um, – Oh, if he doesn't, if if someone else is getting the property mm. and they don't refinance in time, that the property be sold. Oh, okay. so there's all sorts of, and it might be you that's trying to get the property and get it refinanced. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you'll be ordered. That your orders may say you have to sell it. Wow. So there's consequences. So it's quite, it's it's bossing. Mm. That's orders are bossing you around. You are boss. Yeah. So if you don't follow those orders. And are there any other consequences? Like depends what they think up to put in the okay. in the consent orders. Okay. All right. Mm. Okay. So, is there any possibility then that whoever's had filed consent orders stamped and done, and they've done everything mm. on their orders, or they're following the orders mm. of its parenting? Is there any chance that they will ever end up back in court, or is it over? It's finally over. Uh, it should be finally over, but, yeah. of course, there's always p- appeals. Even with consent orders, they can appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's enforcement proceedings if someone doesn't do what they're supposed to do. Uh, God forbid, but there might be a mistake in the orders and you yeah. might have to go back and say, oh, we we, we can't do these orders because we didn't realise you have to do this. And, mm. and so you might end up, and often in property matters, people do it by consent. Okay. Um, in, you know, in kids' matters, you can, the nice thing with children's matters is it says at all times is agreed between the parties. So if you're wanting to give more time, mm. you just do that. If you're wanting to give less time, um, you'd better get agreement 
Um, Okay. And mm. we're going to do an episode on this in depth later, Mm. but one of the questions that's popped up a lot talking to our members is, do you go to mediation to try and get a financial agreement or do you go to mediation to try and get a property consent order? It depends on your circumstances. I think the better way of saying it um, with respect, Rosie, is Mm. that you just say, I'm going to mediation to sort it out. Right. And then whatever, once you've sorted it out, your circumstances will dictate whether you need a financial agreement or a consent order. Right. And we are going to do an episode on the difference of the two. Oh, yes. Yes. So that people understand. You you absolutely can't do a financial. (laughs) Well, that's, we don't, you cannot do a financial agreement on your own. Okay. Do not, and you, and general advice only, but I've yet to see one online. Those, one of those online ones. Oh, wow. Um, I haven't seen a case where that survived scrutiny of the courts. So. financial agreements. Mm, so we do a consent order. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We do the consent orders. But we don't do financial, financial agreements. Financial agreements you're going to have to, you will have to pay for. Yeah. And get advice on your particular situation. Mm. Mm. Interesting. All right. Let's quickly run over the, the steps again. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening, if you're about to go to mediation and you think you're going to settle, these are the steps that are going to happen afterwards. Relief. You'll feel relief. Settler's remorse. Mm-hmm. Litigation neurosis. <laughs> Possibly. Yep. Then you could walk away with a verbal agreement, which your aim is to get written in to yes. w- writing. You could walk away with written heads of agreement, which is great, but can't using court. Still not finalised. Yeah, um, unless they say it can be unless used in court. Unless they say, yep. And then full consent orders signed by both of you. If you walk away with that, that's great, but you still got to get it filed in the court. Yep. I'll make a lawyer out of you yet, Laura. <laughs> well, how to file it is in our court. Yes. So um, so you can learn how to mm. file it there. Uh, and then you get a court order with the seal on it. That pretty much means it's over, but it's not over because you you can use that court order to avoid stamp duty. Yes. And when you're doing all the transfers and you have to do all the steps that are necessary that the order has told you what to do so you yes. don't get in trouble. Yes. And then uh, once it's all done and everybody's done their thing then in it's property, done. then it's done. Yeah. That's fantastic. Your consent order becomes the order. Mm. So, okay. So you, you really, as long as the court thinks it's reasonable, yes, fair and reasonable, they will, they will, they'll ask you to put a clean copy in, mm-hmm. like, you know, fresh like typed, typed copy up word yeah. version, and uh, they'll put their little seal on it, which they used to do with this, you know, like with the actual um, metal seal, mm. and now they put it on uh, electronically. An electronic stamp. Yep, it comes out red. How lovely. Or blue. And so <laughs> are there times then when they say, nah, even though you've gone to mediation yes. and you've come up with an agreement, does it times when they send it back and go, no, no, not cool. They, they do. They'll often um, send back and say, well, uh, it doesn't look fair to us. What, you know, how did you work that out? Does that come back in an email? Or do yes, they- it's yeah. it's a shocking email to get. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they go, oh, we're not prepared to make the orders because this, this and this. And they'll usually say what they want changed. Okay. Um, it's it's funny because it's since the, the since COVID, COVID yeah. affects everything that they have worked out a way that every registrar in Australia is available for every set of consent orders. Right. So otherwise you had the big registries like Parramatta, the registrars were just like so busy mm. and then maybe a quieter one, say up at, at um, Townsville, where they didn't get many orders across their desk. Now the court 
allocates all of the consent orders all around Australia. Isn't that wonderful? Well, it is. Um, and But we used to do things a certain way in Queensland and they used to do it a certain way in Adelaide. Ah. And and if you're, we used to know what our registrars did and didn't require. Right. Um, now we might get someone from another state and we've never been before them before and they might have different different requirements. So I think it's great because I think it's homogenising yes. the whole experience throughout the whole system. And after all, except for Western Australia, which has its own act, but it, it mirrors the other act, mm. um, everyone should be in lockstep. We should all, we every should, lawyer should in every state, everywhere. we have the power to appear, mm-hmm. the right to appear in every state. Yeah. And um, and because of that, we should expect the same experience everywhere. So mm. we're all getting educated. Mm. Um, but the upshot of that, another upshot of that is your consent orders get issued quicker mm. because they don't get in this huge backlog Yes, with one poor registrar or two poor registrars trying to do it. So if they write back and say, hey, we're not going to agree to this unless you make these changes. Yes, they'll suggest the changes. Do you have to go back to mediation? No, no, no. So it might be that they want an explanation of how you got to those figures. Okay. So you might it might be a covering letter. It might be an affidavit they need. They okay. might want some words changed. Okay. Um, it's kind of comforting, I think, for litigation litigants in person mm. that if your orders don't make sense, you know, when you do a plugging in, mm. remember we say in the course, these are all the orders, but go and get a lawyer to check it to make sure it flows. Yeah. Um, it gets checked again by yeah, a mini by judge. By the register. Yeah, the yeah. mini judge. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and if it doesn't flow, they'll, they'll say. So they're careful. They don't want to make any orders that are unenforceable or impractical. Mm. Um, they, they have an obligation under Section 81 of the Family Law Act to finalise the financial relationship between you both. Mm. So any orders that say you'll both stay owners of the house. They're not going to um, like that. They're going to like that without a lot of explanation. Mm. Mm. Have you noticed, I know we, we're going to wrap this one up, but have you ever noticed specific cha- differences between the states mm. or is it just specific differences between the registrars? It, I think it was between the registrars. Mm. Uh after all, you're asking them to exercise their discretion and make the order, mm. and they have to apply the law as they see it. Mm. And uh, yes, and but we didn't have that many say in Brisbane mm. that you you knew your registrars. Yeah, yeah. But we're learning now a whole lot about registrars in every guess, other state. I guess it's like being in front of different judges. It you is. Know, there's a, there's a chance that one judge is going to be more this way of things than yes. other judges. Well, when I did my barrister's course, mm-hmm. uh, that was one thing that leapt out at me, having been a solicitor for years um, and then going to being a barrister. Um, the barristers who, because you're appearing in court nearly every day in a, in a, in a trial, mm. you really get to know what the judge's attitudes are to things. When you're a solicitor, regular solicitor like I am now, uh, you're writing letters and you a lot of your day is spent doing other stuff, so you don't get in front of the bench more than a couple of times a fortnight or once a week. Mm. Uh, and so you don't have as much time to absorb the personality of mm. the people on the bench. But Shouldn't so, be a personality that affects they're judgment. They're only human. I know, but it annoys me that that's we, a thing. It, we can't do robots. It no. has to be a person. Maybe one day AI no, is coming. No. <laughs> Wouldn't it, that be it, terrifying? It has to be a person. Yes. Okay. So anybody out there that's listening today that is about to head into mediation, mm-hmm. we have got some great podcast episodes about general advice the only. mediation process, mm. um, what to expect on the day, mm. how to take care of yourself, what you know, what to avoid doing. Take your muesli bars. Yeah. 
yeah. take something to drink. The legal implications of, you know, all of that. But it's all general advice. But I'll put the links to all our mediation episodes in the show notes. Oh, good idea. Um, again, Mum, there's those two different types of mediation. There's the pre-action procedure mediation. Yes. yes. And then there's the in-court mediation. Well, and also the once you're in court, there's two types there as well. Mm. If it's property, they might say you have a mediation with a registrar in the court Mm -hmm. or you get private mediation outside of the court. Yes. And then with children's matters, Mm. uh, you might get mediation inside the court or you have to get a um, a specially qualified person to do children. Yes. But that's probably beyond the scope well, of this podcast. Well, I'll put the links in mm. the show notes for those different types of mediations okay. and, and what we've talked about in the past. And we wish everybody who's listening the yeah. very best. Best of luck. And, yeah. and remembering it's not over after you walk out. you still got to do that last little bit. And if you're completely exhausted, you know, go and ask somebody to help you. Mm. Make, a, like, make a timetable. Well, make sure you write down everything you've got to do so you don't accidentally forget something. And then you're free. You will feel absolutely pooped for yes. about two days afterwards because yes. it is a very intense process. Mm. Um, but but be ready, make the best of it because you won't get that much attention just on your case uh, for ages again. You might mm. get sent to a second mediation, but it all costs money. Mm-hmm. Grab this one and run with it yep. and good luck. And get the best you can out of mm-hmm. it. Wishing everybody all the best. And thank yeah. you, Mum, for your wise words. Bye, Laura. Bye. Bye if you found this podcast helpful, we'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. By doing so, you are spreading the word to help someone else just like you. Lynn would like to remind you that this podcast is general advice only and you should always get legal advice in relation to your particular situation. And remember that the Australian laws may have changed since recording.